May we have your attention, please? Mental health is something that more and more people are open to talking about. Poor mental health is recognised as something that affects nearly all of us to some extent, myself included. The pressures brought on us in the last two years with restrictions and uncertainties of lockdown and now a cost of living crisis have only increased the likelihood of many of us having some mental health issues. As leaders on health and well-being for the rail industry, RSSB has included mental health in the scope of its activities for some time. Indeed, back in our very first podcast in May 2020, Joanna Faustino gave a few tips and techniques for managing your own mental health. In other podcasts on subjects such as managing road driving risk, we've talked about the duty of care that employers owe to their employees. That duty extends to health and well-being and so includes mental as well as physical health. To help employers support the mental well-being of their staff, RSSB, in collaboration with Southeastern, has developed the Rail Mental Health Charter. This is not just a piece of paper to sign, frame and display. It comes with a guide with seven action areas and a planner to write down both the specific actions that the company plans to take and the names of the people responsible for having them happen. To add a bit more detail to all of that, I'm joined today by Faye Bacon, Assistant Strategy Implementation Manager for Leading Health and Safety on Britain's Railway Delivery and a key contact for RSSB for the Mental Health Charter. Welcome, Faye. As a first-time guest to the podcast, could I ask you to introduce yourself and how you came to your current role in the railway? Thank you, Ant. Yes, so prior to working at RSSB, my background was in mental health. I've worked as a researcher on mental health studies, and I've also worked within NHS Talking Therapy Services. I joined RSSB nearly three years ago as a research analyst, and last year moved to my current role within the health and wellbeing team. Thank you very much and welcome. So let's jump straight in. What is the Rail Mental Health Charter? Yeah, so the Rail Mental Health Charter is essentially a framework which can help companies develop a plan to support the mental well-being of their workforce. The aim of the charter is to support companies to address mental ill health in the workplace, share good practice and support the industry to take a practical approach to end the stigma associated with mental ill health. Thank you. That sounds like an important message. And how does the Charter help companies do that? Well, as you mentioned, the Charter includes a briefing document and a planner. So the briefing document breaks down the huge topic of mental health in the workplace into seven key actions. So when a company signs the Charter, it is effectively committing itself to plan and implement those actions within their organisation. These actions are all based on research and good practice in managing mental health and have been developed specifically for the rail industry. Under each action in the brief, there are real examples from rail companies and links to resources related to that specific area. Thank you, Faye. I like seven. There are seven steps in the road driving risk management plan as well. The first of those is to get somebody to make a commitment on behalf of the company to follow the plan. I assume it's similar for the mental health charter? Yes, it is. The first action refers to senior level sponsorship and accountability. So when it comes to promoting good mental health at work, this can sometimes require a change in the company culture and senior leaders play a key role in that. Also, if senior leaders are able to discuss mental health, it could help reduce the stigma and encourage staff to seek help. So, for example, imagine you are someone who is feeling very low, you're struggling with motivation and feeling very overwhelmed with work day to day. That can sometimes feel very isolating. 
and you might feel ashamed to talk about it. Now, imagine you hear a company podcast where a senior member of staff is talking about their own experience of depression, or you read a company newsletter with an article by a senior leader talking about their own experience of stress. You might then think, actually, maybe there isn't anything to be ashamed about, and maybe if this person overcame it, I can too. Thank you, Faye. So getting the senior level sponsorship seems like a very important step. Yes, exactly. And I should say, although the seven actions within the charter don't have to be addressed in any particular order, it might make sense to get this senior level commitment early on. Great. Thank you. This also seems like a good step to opening up the conversation around mental health and encouraging people to come forward if they are struggling. Yes, definitely. Another action covered in the charter that ties in with that is increasing awareness around mental health. Even though there is a lot of information out there now, and as you said earlier, people are more open to talking about mental health nowadays, but there will still be many people who have never thought about their own mental health. And given it's something that most of us will experience issues with at some point in our lives, it's important for people to understand more about it, how to recognise the signs for when they might be struggling and how to support their own mental health. And what about when someone does recognise that they might be experiencing mental health issues? Does the charter cover anything around that? Yes. So there are actually three actions that relate to this. So action six in the charter refers to effective people management. Managers, as we know, are an important point of contact for someone who is struggling. So it's important that managers can spot the signs and symptoms of mental health difficulties, but also that managers are given the time and space to adequately support their staff as well. I think a lot of the time managers are expected to not only manage staff from a technical perspective, but also in terms of managing the well-being of their staff. And so it's important that managers are given the resources to be able to do that effectively. So this action might involve a review of managers' duties and workloads, as well as mental health training for managers. Another action alongside this is having an effective peer-to-peer support system. So sometimes staff may feel more comfortable speaking to a peer rather than their manager. And having trained peer mental health advocates can be a great avenue for staff to seek that initial support. Signposting is another action related to this. So this is about ensuring that those who may be approached when someone is experiencing difficulties, such as line managers or peer supporters, are actually aware of the wider sources of support available, both internally and externally. So, for example, knowing how someone can refer themselves to an employee assistance program or how to refer themselves to their local NHS talking therapy service. Thank you very much, Faye. That brings us to five actions so far. What are the final two? Yep. So one of them is health monitoring and hazard management. This is about using company data to understand the needs of your workforce. Looking at sickness absence data and occupational health data may be a good place to start in terms of understanding the potential issues your workforce might be facing. Beyond that, having a process for collecting mental health data specifically can also be a good way to know if the initiatives you're promoting are having an impact. And the final action requires companies to look at their policies around mental health. Having an adequate mental health policy ensures staff are aware of what to do when encountering mental health issues. And it also shows staff the company takes mental health seriously. For this action, companies may want to create a new policy specifically around mental health or they may want to integrate good practice in mental health within an existing policy. Thank you very much, Faye. That all sounds like a comprehensive plan. I would also like to make the point that although this sounds like a lot, we are not expecting companies that sign up to cover all of these actions straight away. The charter is simply a starting point for companies to reflect on where they're at and make a plan towards each of these actions over time. 
So now we understand what the Charter actually is, what do we want people to do with it? We want the industry to get behind this and we encourage all rail companies as well as companies that work with the rail sector to sign up. Companies owe a duty of care not only to their employees but to others who work for them, say for example contractors. So we'd like the practices within the Charter to filter down as far down the supply chain as it can. When a company signs up, we'd usually offer an initial introductory meeting to answer any questions they might have. We'd then encourage them to complete the action planner, as this can be a really useful exercise to identify and reflect on what your company is already doing, and then understand where the gaps might be. For example, you might realise your company has a lot of initiatives in place to raise awareness of mental health among staff, but not very much by way of measuring mental health. So it will be difficult to know if the initiatives you have in place are actually working. Once you've completed the action planner, it's up to companies to then start implementing these. The good thing about the charter is we want it to be very flexible. We want companies to use it in whatever way they find helpful. For example, some companies have used it as a basis to create their own wider mental health strategy. Others complete the action planner and then choose just one area of focus to start with. Thank you, Faye. As you've said, mental health is a big topic and it's one that companies almost certainly have less experience of than physical illnesses. At the end of the briefing document, there are email links for people to use if they'd like some support to get started. Could you tell us a bit about how RSSB can support them? Yes. RSSB, along with Southeastern, can help companies complete the action planner and provide feedback and suggestions on ways to improve. This may be helping them to determine the specific areas for focus or helping them set clear outcome measures to ensure the actions they have set out are achievable. We can also meet to provide support in terms of problem solving or just being a bit of a sounding board to help companies reflect on how they can further support mental health. When companies sign up, they also get access to our team site where they will have access to ready-made materials and resources. This can also be used as a forum for connecting with other members who've signed the charter where they can share problems, ideas and good practice. All very good stuff, Faye. It sounds very admirable and well thought out, but why should companies use it? Well, as I said, it's part of the duty of care that companies owe to their employees. A workforce that feels it's being looked after is happier, more productive and less prone to staff turnover. It's crucial that companies actively support mental health, especially in the rail sector. According to the recent Rail Mental Wellbeing Survey, one in three rail employees met the criteria for a mental health condition. The survey also found that rates of anxiety and PTSD were higher in the rail industry in 2020 than in the general population. Apart from this, it also makes sound financial sense for companies to invest in mental health. According to Deloitte's latest report, mental ill health costs transport companies £1,680 per employee, and investing in mental health in the workplace can lead to a return on investment of £5 for every £1 spent. Thank you for those figures, Faye. We recognise many companies will already be aware of the importance of supporting mental health, but these statistics really drive that message home. Yes, I agree. But although companies might recognise this, it can sometimes be difficult for them to know where to start when it comes to mental health as there's so much information out there. The Charter provides a really good basis for companies to use as a starting point. Thank you, Faye. It sounds like a win-win for everybody. So who has already signed the Mental Health Charter? So far, we've had 78 companies sign up, and this includes Tox, Fox, infrastructure managers, suppliers, contractors and trade unions. 78 companies is about one third of our member companies and affiliates. So who else do you want to sign up? 
really we want as many rail companies as we can get to sign up to the charter. And it, it doesn't matter how mature a company is in terms of understanding mental health. You might be a company who already has lots of initiatives in place to support mental health, or you may be right at the very start of your journey. It, it doesn't matter. We believe the charter can benefit everyone. For example, Lee Walcott-Ellis from Southeastern, who set up the charter, says himself that he will still use this to plan activities. And once this has been achieved, he thinks, okay, now we've achieved that. How can we build on it? What else can we learn? So that they're continuously progressing. So even if you do have some good systems in place for supporting mental health already, the charter can still provide a chance to reflect and see if there are some areas that you might not have thought about. Faye, you've already touched on a few things. Can you tell us about some of the benefits of joining the charter? Yes, there are many benefits to joining the charter. Firstly, it's a great way to show your staff you are committed to supporting mental health in the workplace. Secondly, it can provide a space for companies to reflect and work out how they can approach mental health within the company with our support. Sometimes getting an outside perspective can provide some great insights. It's also completely free to sign up and you don't need to meet any special criteria to access these benefits. You just need to be a rail company or a company that works with the rail industry and be willing to make changes to improve mental well-being. The feedback we've had from members has been that the charter covers the things as an industry we should already be doing to support mental health and in a really simple way. It has also reinforced the work companies might already be doing in the field of mental health, provided a way to refresh commitment from the company and refocus the business to continue to support an impact on people's mental health. I'd also like to mention that we will be launching an updated version of the charter in the near future. The actions in the charter will be the same. It's just that in the new version, we've taken into account any new research and feedback from existing members to ensure the charter is aligned with good practice. The new version will also include some new examples from existing charter members as to how they've used the charter to create positive changes. So if you are thinking of signing up, you may be able to take some inspiration from that. Faye, thank you very much for talking through the benefits of signing up to the Rail Mental Health Charter. For those who haven't so far, how can companies sign up? You can find more information about the Charter on our RSSB webpage. Signing up to the Charter is easy. You just need to complete the short form on our website and then send it to the Charter email listed on the form. We will then get in touch with you and take it from there. Thank you again, Faye. For our listeners, there's a link to the Charter webpage at the bottom of the show notes for this episode. Or if you want to go straight to our website, you can search for the Mental Health Charter webpage from there. And as always, thank you for listening. Until the next time, stay safe and stay well. 